Hey guys, and welcome to the new episode of Automated Seller Podcast. Today I have a new guest, Chad Rubin. Uh, actually, uh, he is a, the CEO and founder of uh, two companies at the moment, but he also did a couple of exits uh, previously. So I'm really honored uh, that you are here, Chad. And first of all, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive in. Awesome. So just from the beginning, um, Chad, right now at the moment, you are actually uh, running two companies, Deep and Sassy and Prophecy, right? Yeah, Prophecy is my full-time gig. Deep and Sassy is more my passion project. So Mm -hmm. Deep and Sassy is a mastermind for software entrepreneurs. A lot of them are in the Amazon ecosystem. And then Prophecy is a software, AI software specifically to dynamically change price for private label brands to maximize profit without sacrificing their share on Amazon. Awesome. And we'll deep dive a little bit later into those two. But before yeah. that, I would love to hear a little bit more about your story. So first of all, I know that you had a um, couple of other companies. So I actually went through your LinkedIn and checked that you had Scubana that got acquired, Prosper Show uh, that got acquired, which is, I think, the best uh Amazon conference uh, that exists. That was actually my uh, first conference that I went to. So uh, that's how actually whole uh, Amazon journey with Delta Logic started. So um, it's it's really great. And then seller's choice. So that's really impressive. And we will also jump to those uh, three. But beforehand, I want to ask you first about the beginnings of your e-commerce journey and uh, basically how did you start with entrepreneurship? Like, was it always that you wanted to create something from scratch or you kind of had to? So I'm really curious to hear those. Yeah. So just, I come from a family that really had nothing growing up and we were scraping to get by, finding pennies in the couch cushions, uh, couldn't pay our rent in some months. So my father owned a vacuum cleaner store and it was the absolute last thing I ever wanted to do was to, to be an entrepreneur and even to get into the vacuum business. I went on to Wall Street. I was a first generation college graduate to get onto Wall Street and I was miserable. My dad owned a vacuum store and I started helping him on the side. And then Amazon just launched their marketplace. And I was like, oh, you guys should start selling on Amazon. So we started selling on Amazon. I started helping him and then the, the business just took off. So what are really you how it, I sorry? got What are you uh, let's see. So I got started selling Amazon with my dad 2000 seven 2006 mm-hmm. time frame it was a long time ago and uh, but even if you actually rewind my my character itself i started selling things in high school and in middle school like i was selling warheads then i went into fireworks then i started selling japanese import games that with mod mm-hmm. chips installed in playstation oh, wow. so i've always been uh really a self-starter in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's how I got started though in the Amazon world was with the, with this vacuum business. And I started a private label vacuum cleaner accessory business called Think Crucial, which actually is still around today. So we manufacture oh, wow. appliance parts, vacuum filters, coffee filters, air filters, anything you can think of that's crucial in the home we manufacture. That's how I got mm-hmm. started. And that incubated the rest of my journey in the Amazon space, taking us to 2023. Got it. So 
this kind of actually sounds like a little bit of the history of Gary Vaynerchuk, I think. That that was a similar case, right? So his dad had a wine store and then he actually jumped there and, and starts uh, helping him and eventually uh, they scale like crazy and it seems like a very similar story. I mean, at this point, if this business is still running, that's 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 great, right? Because it's it's almost 20 years, right? Uh, if you think about it, so... It's 20 years. <laughs> it is 20 years. It's been a really long time. Uh, and That's great. And then serendipitously, as I was scaling the the private label filter business, accessory business, Think Crucial, my account manager was a guy named James Thompson. And I was starting a software called Stubana at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for investors. And my I got him to invest in Stubana. Again, he was my account manager at Amazon. He had left Amazon when I called him up to finance us and to help invest. And then he was like, hey, I'm going to start this conference. Do you want to participate and be part of it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we actually kind of grew up together mm-hmm. as Amazon was maturing in this process. And uh, you know, I think there was no community back then. So we were solving a really big problem. There was no multi-channel inventory management software that can that didn't run at scale and that was purpose built all in one place with one source of truth. It what didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so we just got in at a very lucky time, identified an opportunity, and then I guess that's how you carried on. That's how you built yeah. the the Scubana. That that's awesome. I, I can't even think about how was the world of the Amazon API back then. I mean I jumped into it I think around two or three years ago when there was no SAP API, there was actually the old MWS uh, API, and that was terrible. I remember there was literally no resources out there to to, to build anything. I mean, now they migrated to the new SAP API. It's still bad. It's still there are not so many of the good resources. I know that the community is growing. They are actually doing some conferences for SAP API developers, but I can't even think about how hard was it for for you to to start it i mean you are not technical right you you said that or what what did you study actually i studied finance in college finance so you, finance you had not major. really any idea about uh, building a software company right no but i experienced the problem firsthand i think that's what makes the best software is those that live the problem totally i i can only agree right uh, th- that's actually what differentiate uh, differentiate us and that was super t- hard for us to get to the amazon world because our background is all tech and coding, but we still wanted to really pick the niche. So we, and until they now, I mean, as long as basically right now, as we have more than 100 clients around Amazon right now, we are quite familiar with the platform. But initially it was just terrible. When when someone was saying FBA, FBM, all of the fees, we had no idea basically what our clients are talking about, but now it changed. So here I can only agree that basically because you solved your own problem, and you could build a great software. So totally. that's awesome. So and that I think was this in general, Kibana. right? Mm-hmm. That in general, all of entrepreneurship and all of, I think, people's careers, people need to really learn to, to love solving problems and learn to love problems. I agree. Totally. I agree. So that was Cubana. I know that you did exit on that. Um, and how about the Prosper show? Because this, this is something that I'm really curious about especially because this is this was essentially the conference that got us into where we are right now amazing yeah what 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 questions do you have so how how did you start prosper show basically well so as i was scaling stubana i told you james thompson he was my old account manager he invested in our company 
he mm -hmm. called me and was like, hey, I'm starting this thing. Do you want to participate in it? I said, absolutely. I'd love to build community. Obviously, I spoke at the conference. I drove sellers and brands to the conference. Uh, and yeah, we created, I think, a great community. I think a great show and provide a lot of value. And I think once you provide a lot of value in life as a business, you help other people flourish, you're rewarded for that eventually. And, and our reward was with the exit of both Stubana and Prosper Show. Oh yeah, that's awesome. But when it comes to building community, because uh, I would need to re rewind also a little bit. Um, wh what year was that that you started Prosper Show? Our first show, Prosper, I think was 20, I want to say it was 2015. Mm -hmm. So that was the time when Facebook had the peak, I believe. I mean, Facebook was quite popular, but how did you actually build the community? Was it through the social media or because of the people you knew already in the industry? I really wonder, what does it take to build um, yeah. such a conference and community? <laughs> I think it was a combination of providing a lot of value. I think there was no other, like right now, everyone and their mother can start a conference. If you look at what's mm -hmm. happened in the Amazon space, we're saturated with conferences on a monthly basis, if not weekly basis at this point. And mm -hmm. so we were the first to do it. Nobody was doing it. People were seeking it. People were thirsty for knowledge and for community. And we were able to put it all together. So community, I think the word community has evolved in a way, right? Especially in Amazon, because like now there's many different places to seek shelter and seek community. But went back in 2015, if you think about it, there was no place that was providing that to activate Amazon sellers' potential. Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. That That's actually a huge benefit on being somewhere early, right? But on the other hand, that's also taking a lot of risk because no one really did it before. So <laughs> Totally, I mean, a lot of risk-taking has been involved in my career. I can, I, I can <laughs> only see that. So th that's awesome. So I actually have one personal question to you, Chad, be, before we jump to um, Profis and the Deep and Sassy. Because, I mean, it seems like you achieved already a lot with building such a businesses, getting acquired. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs and some of them, um, they are running very successful businesses and they just say one thing. Once I'm about to exit, that's it. That's over. Uh, I'll go and retire. And it seems like you already did a couple of exits, but you're still in the game. So what's your fuel? Yeah, I would say like Shibano was my was the was a big boy exit, right? It was a pretty big exit for me and for my family and for our investors and friends that came in and joined us on the on the journey. Uh, after the exit, it's interest it's interesting what happens to somebody after an exit, right? So the people that you've been building with for such a long time at high intensity are now reporting to somebody else in the organization, typically. And over time, they're like, wait a minute, what am I, what's going on? What am I doing? And it causes a lot of self-reflection because overnight, you're left with a lot more money in your bank account, but nothing really else in your life has changed. And then the closest people to you that you're building the company with, over time, those relationships start to evolve because now they're reporting to a new CEO or a new management team. So during that time period, I had a lot of reflection. So I'm giving you a kind of a longer answer to your question about like, what's my inspiration? But I had a lot of downtime. I did a lot of self-reflection and 
I did a lot of, I actually hired a lot of coaches to become a better person myself. Because I said, I can either just dive right back into something because I do think that for me, business creates a lot of purpose for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I decided to like kind of hold on to that impatience for a little bit more, become a better version of myself. And then I got impatient enough where I was like, okay, here's a problem I needed to be, that needed to be solved. And that problem was pricing. So inspiration for me is I, I love to solve problems. I love to build stuff. I'm taking a different approach with this business. I'm challenging myself in a lot of different ways. And I, I really like solving those challenges. It's, it's like, it really lights me up to do that. That's awesome. That's, that's actually awesome that, yeah, it, it drives you, right? That it's your purpose in your life to actually create something valuable because I know one, like I have also one history. So basically this is a history from my friend mm, about one German uh, CEO. So, and the founder, he built like very big agency, uh, very successfully. And then after I think 15 years, he did exit, um, mm -hmm. multiple million of euros. And then afterwards, uh, he started, um, like he said, okay, now I go and I retire. So first thing he did, he went to the store. He bought the newest, I think back then that was PS4 and 20 games. And he said, now I have time for my boys. Let's play the games whole day. They open only one game and play it a couple of hours. That's it. Then his wife, uh, she actually wanted to start meeting with more, um, how to say, like different friends make different friends who also have more money so they started to going on like very fancy to very fancy restaurants he started to cheat on his wife eventually uh his marriage collapsed he started taking drugs partying more eventually he lost almost all of his money and what he did he started creating the exactly same company as he sold because he has all of, he had all of the experience and now he's again at the same point but that's the thing right so you always need to find a purpose and there are crazy stories about those things so i was really curious to hear uh how was it for you especially that you said that i was actually a quite a nice money right so the thing that you hired the coaches and took some time off that that's actually great right but eventually you came back to what was your purpose before so here you are yeah. right now running two more companies. <laughs> and I still, by the way, still have my e-commerce business. So that's part of the mix. It's not like it's gone away. Oh, yeah. And how I started Prophecy was that in my free time after the sale, I was working on my e-commerce business. And mm -hmm. I actually got a lot harder. Amazon has gotten a lot mature and a lot harder for brands. And this business, which was once a cash cow, was now losing anywhere from twenty to $40,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So this is another problem that needed to be solved. And I love problems. So I started to restructure the business. And one of the problems I came across was around pricing. And that's really what took me on this journey. I didn't really intend to just start something right away. But I was like, wait a minute. Why is nobody changing price on Amazon? Hmm. Why is pricing static? Why is everyone changing their advertising spend? Mm -hmm. Would you ever leave $10,000 of ad spend unoptimized? No. So then why would you leave your pricing unoptimized? It didn't just, it didn't make sense. It didn't add up. And the more I got my fingers dirty with the subject matter of pricing, the more I was like, wow, this is a massive opportunity. And I started to actually test this on my own business and it started to work. And then a business was born. So, so that was quite a similar, um, 
let's say a journey as, as in the beginning with your first company, right? Like you saw that there's a problem that needs to be solved. You actually solve it for yourself as you, as you were selling on Amazon yeah. and, and that's how the company was born eventually. Right. So that's awesome. Completely. But actually that was 2021, right? So I can, I believe that there were already some other reprices. So if you could say what was actually super innovative about your repricing strategy compared to other reprices. Yeah. So by the way, I, I launched in 2021 prophecy. I sold Stubana in April of 21. So I had pretty much what, eight months of no, no new business activity. Um, and so I tried, by the way, I looked, I did a lot of research. I did a lot of analysis. So Amazon as a marketplace has evolved and changed over time. And one of the say newer evolutions, probably from 2016 onwards, is this revolution around private label. Private label, which means is that you you live and die by the search engine ranking page. You don't compete for a buy box. You own the brand and you're going direct to consumer. And so there's a lot of these old school repricers out there that compete to win the buy box, right? So yeah. typically it's like the lowest price wins. If you're FBA and you're the lowest price, you'll definitely have an advantage. Great. But what if you're private label, which is 70% of Amazon today, if you're a private label brand, how do you know that you're pricing optimally? How do you know that you're not leaving money on the table? And why are you actually chronically statically pricing your product? So there wasn't any answers to this, and there's certainly no software out there that actually did this because actually it's quite difficult to do. So I set out to actually build a private label repricer for Amazon brands and with the sole intention to maximize profit without sacrificing your BSR, your bestseller rank on Amazon. And I was initially doing this in a spreadsheet. So I built like a framework to make changes to my pricing because there's so many signals on Amazon, whether it's seasonality, it's your BSR, yeah. your inventory position, it could be your conversion rate, your session rate, your competitor's BSR. When you make a price change, it's not just what your, how your customers react, it's how your, your competitors react and how amazon.com reacts. Because if you change your price today, it could affect your orders tomorrow. So all of these things were confounding variables that made it even incrementally more difficult to manage. And I was like, okay, this is a really hard problem and this is a fun problem and actually can help a lot of sellers minimize the value leakage that's happening on the marketplace. Totally. I think you are the. I've never seen the, such a repricer before. So eventually, as you mentioned, it, it, it repricers they were based. I mean, more or less, they were definitely more intelligent than only trying to get the lowest price at the moment, right? The, I know some repricers that are analyzing the competitors. Sometimes they are making competitors um, like they are actually putting price higher, so the competitor items are being sold quick, and then they are getting the price back so they can actually sell their inventory so mm -hmm. there are quite some sure. smart reprices out there but i've never seen actually a repricer that analyzes the prices across different listings so you actually are profitable and winning with other brands totally we we live and die by again the search engine ranking page on amazon so if you're selling generic bluetooth headphones and you're at 995, your competition's at 895, you have other people that are 1295 and 15. How do you know that you're not leaving money on the table? Mm -hmm. And it's not so simple as just raising price because you're, if you raise price, it could affect demand. It could affect your velocity. It could actually affect your ranking position. 
sometimes the optimal decision is actually to lower price. And you lower price, you increase your velocity, your demand, and the velocity offsets the decrease in demand and uh, creates more absolute profit dollars in your pocket. And you start to you start to own and rank organically on page one versus paying advertising spend to rank there. Oh, so yes. it's a very complex challenge. And it was just by chance, actually, like I think you mentioned earlier, kind of like being at the right place that when I left Stubana and sold that company, I started to really get interested in AI. Now, AI and ChatGPT came out really November of 2022. That's that's really when it became mainstream, let's just say. I started loving AI in 21, early 21, 2021. And that was a core piece of my thesis that there's so many signals happening on Amazon. There's so much data points on Amazon to pull in that no human can actually analyze all those data points. You needed really AI to do it. And uh, so we started building this repricer that's at the intersection of profit, because a lot of Amazon brands are suffering right now, and AI, and we're at the, we're at the intersection of that. That's awesome. And actually, I checked some of your case studies, and they're also very impressive. So could you actually share some of those um, brands that used your repricer and significantly increased their profits? Yeah, so um, let's see where to begin. So on average, we see a lift of 10 to 15% of profit impact by using Prophecy for our brands. So if you are a brand that's struggling that wants to make 10 to 15% more in profits, uh, you check out Prophecy. So we only manage our KPI is how much dollars did we generate to you that you wouldn't have had before. And then what is that? percentage as a profit lift impact. And if you annualize that, what does that become in terms of incremental profit? So right now, I think we have maybe five case studies on our site. We have a lot more coming. I'm actually building a landing page to host all the case studies because there's so many. Uh, but you know, we, we're category agnostic. So you have to be a private label brand. You don't compete for the buy box. You own the buy box all the time. Yeah. And uh, we change essentially how our system works is uh, firstly, we only maximize profit. Secondly, we supervise the results. So when a customer comes onto the platform, they give us their min price, their max price, and their landed cost. We pull in all the fees from Amazon, we do all the rest of the work, and uh, that's how we begin. And so what happens is that someone comes onto the platform. They've never, most Amazon brands never make price changes. So we have a hyper learning phase where we make small changes to price to see how your customers react, to see how uh, Amazon.com reacts and to see how your competition reacts. And we then take those learnings and we deploy them to the market. And while that's happening, our models are improving and continuously learning, they're compounding, and they're getting better to make sure that they're making the right decisions to make you mountains of money on your ASIN. That's a very smart approach, definitely. And did you create your own models? I believe yes, right? I mean, you have yeah. some data scientists working mm-hmm. on so your So we team. have actually two parallel machine learning models. We have one that predicts demand, and elasticity, and then we have one that predicts price at a specific demand. So we have two different models that are working together, 
And then we've started to work on adding spend behavior into what we've been building because price dictates spend. And at different mm -hmm. price levels, you actually have more budget where you can put gas on the fire and you can actually generate more profit dollars with your spend. So that's something that we're currently working on with a couple of clients, uh, but over time, we're going to be bringing that to market as well. So decisions that's... around, if we know where price is going, we can predict the best price for you in the coming week. We know that a week in advance where the model is going with price, we can actually predict the optimal spend at that price to maximize profit dollars in your business. It's very, very smart. And also, it's very interesting how Amazon really evolved since the beginning. I mean, I know that back in the days that there was really nothing like that, right? Like all you had to do is really put the listing on Amazon and it was just selling. There were no really competitors, yep. nothing. And now there's so much data, su such a powerful software that it just, it's impressive and scary at the same time, because eventually, in my opinion, like it will be AI fighting against AI to win, right? I mean, if someone else would have, will be using the same software as you do, but running different brand, what will happen actually? So a couple of things, right? Like I, the reason why I really believe in AI specifically on Amazon, I believe my thesis is that Amazon is no different from Wall Street. Uh, in 20, in, in the early 2000s, Wall Street, 10% of the volume on Wall Street was automated bots. Now it's over 80%. This is, we're talking on the, in the financial markets for trading. Yeah. If you look at the financial markets as a commodity of baskets of goods, it's no different from Amazon.com. They're all commodities. Amazon's playing in the commodity world and has actually slowly been detaching brands from the actual use of them. And people are now searching general products versus brands on Amazon more than ever. So if you believe in the thesis that Amazon.com is a commodity platform and bots will take over, I think we're properly positioned. So I do believe that brands on Amazon are going to become algorithmic brands. They're going to be forced to, and then the best algorithm wins because algorithms can make mistakes at a far quicker clip, but learn from those mistakes. Like they're faster, they're cheaper. And when things work really well, they make far less mistakes than a human being does. And they self-improve over time. And so with pricing, sure, whoever has the model, best model is going to win on Amazon, regardless, whether it's pricing, whether it's advertising, whether it's inventory management, or listing optimization. Those are the four key categories, in my opinion, that are destined to be taken over by algorithms. And, are, and the, the, the brands that will win will be the ones that are embracing AI and algorithms and have the best moat around the algorithms that they built. That's, that's that's true. I mean, I, I only agree. And and in order to do that, you need more and more data, as well to, to actually create this kind of software. So, but there's no shortage really... of data, right, Jacob? There's no shortage of data oh, yeah. on Amazon. I mean, I, would, I think I just wrote on LinkedIn about this that Amazon brands are actually inundated with data. They have so much data, they don't even know what to do with it. But the only that's true. And I was just going to say, but who knows what to do with that data? 
it's AI. They can decipher and find the can, right signals around agree. the noise to do that. Yeah, I can only agree. And it's very interesting, basically, what you're saying, because this is like one case scenario when you are really aware of what will happen and you are leveraging te the technology to win. But then I will give you another example of some clients that are coming to us. They are running seven, eight figures uh, brands and they are using just Google Sheets to manage their business. That's it. No AI, no technology, no software, just uh, Google Sheets. So eventually yeah <laughs> that's that's very interesting to see like those two uh, let's say yeah. um but like scenarios. i think the thing the thing that's interesting about google sheets is like they've sh what got you from a to b may not get you from b to c and if you're running your business on google sheets you can't adapt as quickly like i'm thinking about in my mind how much money they're leaving on the table by using sheets sure sheets as a dashboard Okay, but then you need to execute on that on that on that data, and by the time you actually have someone compile that data, it becomes expired. So I think to me that there's a and that's probably why they're coming to you is that there's a massive opportunity to monetize that data, and they're leaving money on the table by using these spreadsheets that have, with expired data. Oh yeah, that that's for sure. I I agree, but yeah, we we talked about. Um basically your uh, SaaS product at the moment. But uh, as we initially said, you are also, uh, you also have created a deep and sassy company, right? And what I understood, this is the community around um, SaaS creators, or if you could basically share what exactly is yeah. that, that would be. First of all, it's a labor of love. It's actually more of a passion project than it is a, a business. Um, Going, you know, building a software is a very, very hard challenge, and a lot of times there's a lot of recurring challenges that we're all experiencing or have experienced. And so, to me, there's an opportunity to collaborate and activate each other's potential as human beings as, as and as business owners. So I started. I mean, this I had this idea while I was taking my I don't know. I guess you want to call it my eight month sabbatical after Subana. The idea was, okay, like why don't I start hosting events and virtual community events where we bring in people to speak and share what's working for them so we can all learn from that and iterate on it and improve our own businesses and our own lives. And that's what we're doing. So every month we meet. The goal is to one day have also an in-person event, but right now we're all meeting virtually. It's all it's a lot of SaaS. A lot of them, sometimes agencies, because some agencies are SaaS enabled. And a lot of the people that are in it, not all, but most of them are in the Amazon space. Awesome. And how, how to become the member? So you just go to Deep and Sassy and you can apply. There's a pretty long questionnaire that I'll ask you to fill out to make sure, hey, we want to make sure people are keeping it confidential, make sure there's no uh, conflicts of interest for other members in the group because we want everyone to bring their most authentic self and, and, and really overshare in the community. Awesome. And of course you have already experienced building the community. So I can only see that it's, it's definitely really valuable to every member that is already there. Yeah. It's, 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 it's been a labor, labor of love, super fun. Yeah, I'm recording all the meetings so that you know we can use them again. But it's almost like taking a course in school, but with real 
professionals where it's their arena of experience and expertise and sharing that really openly, everything under the hood. Awesome. I will definitely ask you some more questions uh, after the episode as I'm very interested. Uh, but yes, that was still really, really great. I mean, every insight that you brought here today was, was awesome chat. So thanks a lot for uh, coming and sharing the journey with you, especially the journey. I mean, you know, right now you are sharing all of the success stories here, right? But I know that this journey is extremely tough. I mean, I'm only in the game since three years. But I can yeah. only imagine how many of the um, bad feelings, bad moments you had during this process of running such so many companies and doing the uh, exits. So that's really impressive, and yeah. thanks for sharing. I know we're only sharing <laughs> the positive, but the, trust me, it's been it's been a roller coaster, and uh, there's definitely been people that have been unintentionally hurt by by you know, me maybe making a mishire as an example right it's a great example totally. you make a mishire and now you made a mistake and now you need to backtrack that employee you need to offload them and offboard them and you know it's 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 sad but so yeah there's been tons of mistakes no shortage of them I'm happy to always share those anytime you anytime you want Totally. I, I can only agree with that. So, But yes, I, I would definitely love to do some new episode, next episode in the future, when we maybe talk more about the entrepreneurship and actually the, the journey, the ups and downs, if you are up to that. Yeah. Um, other than that, again, thanks a lot for uh, coming today. And yes, Chad, if you could maybe share um like where people can find you, if they have any questions or if they want to try uh, the profits, uh, that would be great. Yeah, so of course, um, I'm here in the community to support everybody and to to leave it better than how I found it. So you can find a lot of my commentary on Twitter and LinkedIn uh, under Chad Rubin. You can email me if you have a direct question, which is chad at prophecy.com. That's P-R-O-F-A-S-E-E. -E. So profit you could see. It's a play on words, chad at prophecy.com. Uh, yeah. Uh, and feel free to connect them again i'm happy to to support awesome. everybody great thanks a lot chat and uh we speak soon okay bye, -bye. thank you